All right, guys, uh, we have a special guest this morning, and uh, when I uh, found out I was going to youth camp as a sponsor, I was like, I will not have a voice when I get back. Nor, I, I didn't even know if I'd, like, Gaga Ball is, whew, it is a sport like no other, so uh, I am recovering physically, but emotionally and spiritually, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, but I reached out to my good friend, Tim Morrow. Tim uh, works with Texas Baptist. He's our central Texas kind of area rep. And Tim is a guy that from day one has always kind of been there to check on me, uh, to pray for me, to pray for us. And, and you, you didn't even know he was behind the scenes praying for you, but he's been behind the scenes praying for you for years. And um, so I'm so excited to have him here. Uh, Tim has, has been a senior pastor for, was it like 35 years, right, Tim? Uh, 35 years as a senior pastor. And his uh, beautiful wife, Melody, is with us uh, this morning as well. And so uh, if you guys would just uh, thank God for Tim stepping up to preach the word this morning. Yeah, go ahead. Well, good morning. What a good group this is and all. And uh, congratulations to God be the glory. Great things he has done for your new building. Uh, I hope I don't offend anybody. Uh, I'm kind of like the guy, the blind man that walked in the new super Walmart store with his C&I dog. He picked up his German shepherd by the tail. He slung it around like this, the dog. And somebody said, sir, can we help you? He said, no, I'm just looking around and all. So uh, I just kind of want to look around, you know. I just think this is really cool and uh, for what I see. So, uh, and... Uh, we just want to bring you greetings, first of all, this morning from Texas Baptist, and I uh, want to thank you, First Baptist Church Elgin, for your continued cooperation, your support, your gifts through the cooperative program, uh, your prayers, and your continued support through this. Uh, you can be praying for us because next Sunday we will be in the big city of McAllen, Texas. For our family gathering, we have a family gathering of all of our groups, of our Texas Baptist, African American ministries, our Convencion, our Hispanic ministries, all other language ministries that we have, and we, will all, we always gather together for one big time, and this year we're meeting in the big city of McAllen. And so just ask for your prayers for this as we will be there next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of this coming week, so you can be in prayer for this. But just want to thank you. You can be praying for Texas Baptist in these days. We are looking for a, 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 a new executive director. Our recent executive director, Dr. David Hartage, has retired. He's now serving with Texas Baptist men. But you can be praying for us as we're seeking for God's leader in and during these days. And I want to thank Brother Jason for his invitation, for his friendship, for his continued ministry, and I have watched you, watched your church through these uh, last several years and your continued growth. My job as your Central Texas area representative is uh, that I just serve as a resource for you in any way that I can as an ambassador and as an encourager to your pastor, to your staff, for you and your continued ministry, and that you will call upon me at any time for whatever it may be. My wife and I, Melody, and I live in Belton, so we're not far from you, so it doesn't take us long to get here, and uh, we just enjoy the time that we have in Central Texas and for the opportunities and service in, in ministry. 
And so I just want to thank you for this and thank you for your continued support through Texas Baptist. There's some material that's out in the foyer that I've left for you today. You can pick up as you leave and uh, just uh, kind of let you little, know a little bit more about who we are and what we're doing. Well, what is the one thing that is necessary for every believer, every believer in Jesus Christ? I invite you to take your Bible this morning, and I ask that you turn to the Gospel of Luke, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. and want to read the last several verses of that chapter, beginning in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now there's a, an outline that you can follow this morning, and uh, just see where I'm headed in this message today. But we find in this passage what the one thing that is necessary for every believer in Jesus Christ. Now look at this particular passage. The Bible says, Now it happened that as they went, that he, that is the Lord Jesus, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, with much preparation. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. Now, we know that this particular passage is set in a visit by Jesus to the village of Bethany. It is the home of Mary Martha, and Lazarus. Now, their home seems to have been a place where Jesus could just frequently come, that he could just unwind and rest and have relaxation. So he could just go there, and he could just feel perfectly at home. Now, the question for each and every one of us today is this. Is Jesus at home in your home? Does Jesus have a place in your house? That is, have you opened up your doors to Him and said, Lord Jesus, you are welcome in this place. Because what Jesus did in the home of Mary and Martha, He wants to do also, and He will do in your home. Now, John chapter 11, verse 5, tells us, that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we know the story about the Lazarus, that Lazarus died in John chapter 11, and Jesus came four days later and rose, uh, spoke the word to Lazarus, and Lazarus came forth from the grave. But we know that in joy and in even in sorrow, Jesus was often there in their home. And I tell you today that if we will open up our home to Him, He will live there. That at the dinner table, or in the den, or wherever it may be in your home, that 
He'll be that silent listener in every, of every conversation, of every word spoken, of everything that you may see or hear or what you may say there in your home. That Jesus will be the unseen guest at every meal. And so, in the joys and in the sorrows, Jesus will be there. And He'll minister to your needs if you'll let Him. Now you notice that this passage, it centers around three basic ideas when we think about that one thing that is necessary in and through our life as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, it was about 30, stars, it's almost been 35 years ago that uh, there was a famous line in of a movie that uh, said that there's only one thing that's important. There's only one thing that is necessary. Well, Jesus tells us here that there's only the one thing that is necessary for every believer in Jesus Christ. Now, look at these particular ideas in this passage. The first thing we see here are the sisters in the home. Now, you notice in this passage that Lazarus is not mentioned. We kind of assume that he's there, but he's not mentioned in this passage. So, it centers around two sisters. Two sisters that are, that are prominent in this passage of Scripture. Now, they were sisters by flesh and blood. But it becomes obvious that these two were different sisters, different in their temperament and their personality. Ladies, girls, do you have a sister? Are you like your sister? Okay. Um, My wife talks to her sister, her baby sister, every day. Between about 4 and 5 o'clock, I know that I need to get to the back room because they're going to talk, okay? And she lives in Ohio, and they're just going to rehash the day of everything that's going on. And that's a, that's a very special bond. And I believe that Mary and Martha had a very special bond. But they were, they were different. They were different in their temperament. They were different in their personality. And what's true in the lives of human beings, so far as family is concerned, is also true in the lives of members of God's family. That when God saves us, that when we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, God puts us into a family, and yes, we're all different. Uh, We have different emphases. We may respond to the Lord in different ways. And you know, I'm I'm glad it's like this, okay? Okay? That uh, God saw to it that He blesses uniqueness. That He blesses the variety that we find within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not like you. You're not like me. That there is a difference here. That there's an infinite variety among the people of God. God's children have different gifts. uh, Different means of serving Him. And this is what we see here in Mary and Martha. Now let's look at the two sisters, okay? First of all, there is Martha. Martha is one who is working. Martha is serving. Uh, Her her work impresses us. Uh, Her way of expressing her love for the Lord Jesus Christ was in the area of her service, of her working. And she would show you love for Jesus 
by what she did for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse 38 begins. Luke tells us, Martha opened her home to the Lord Jesus. Now that speaks volumes about Martha. She was the hostess of her house. And no sooner had Martha welcomed the Lord Jesus than she was on her way back into the kitchen. And she was busy making sure that the table was spread exactly right. Baking, broiling, wiping, cooking, pouring, doing all of this. My mother was kind of like that, okay? Just busy, busy, just doing stuff, just having to be doing stuff in the kitchen. Well, that was Martha's personality. And I think all of us have, have seen Martha, haven't we? Or guys, we could say we've seen Marvin. Okay, or Marcus, or whatever we want to call him, all right? She's practical in her personality. Martha is practically oriented. She gives herself to the constant round of activities. Uh, the, the Marthas in church, in the church body, are those that you can depend on to serve in ministry, that when you call upon them, they're going to be ready to serve. They attend all the meetings. They're on time for the meetings. They stay late after the meetings. They're constantly on the move. And so we thank God for the Marthas in the family of God. And where would we be for not those with the Martha-type personalities who are willing to do the nitty-gritty tasks that, that have to be done to perform the work of the Lord? But on the other hand, there is Mary. Mary, we see worship. Now, by the way, worship and service go together, but let's look at this, her worship. Uh, verse 39 just says this, that uh, Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and who heard and listened to his word. I mean, she's just there at the feet of Jesus listening to him. He's probably maybe talking about his ministry, talking about where he's been, maybe talking about some things that are, that are about ready to come, come to pass. Well, the emphasis in her life seems to be that of worship. Now, I have the idea that uh, Mary was probably a little more contemplative in her personality. She thought, I'll show my love for the Lord Jesus Christ by listening to Him, spending time with Him, that I'll get close to Him as I possibly can. I'll sit at the Lord Jesus' feet. Now, in those particular days, when a person sat at someone's feet, it probably meant one of two things. It meant that they placed themselves at the feet as a learner or as a worshiper. Well, both were true of Mary. And I think Mary realized who the Son of God was, what He had come into this world to do. She worshipped Him at His feet. When you look at Mary's life in the Gospels, every time she is presented in the New Testament, she's at the feet of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you see it here in this particular passage. You see it again in, in John chapter 11, and then you see it again in the very next chapter in John chapter 12, where uh, she comes and breaks open that sacrificial gift and 
pours it upon the Lord Jesus Christ. She learned the secret of where to live. Now, two sisters, different, and yet so vital. Martha worked, Mary worshipped. Now, those are the sisters. The second idea here is to look at the, at the scene in the home. Because there was a scene. In fact, it almost ruined the happy occasion. Now, I want you to see the picture here, okay? You get this picture? Here is Martha. She is busy at work in the kitchen. She's just in there working, sweaty, just doing everything. And then she did something that came close to destroying the time with Jesus. Now, do you see her? She's got sweat on her brow, maybe a frown on her face, maybe a platter in one hand, a rag thrown over her shoulder, and a pitcher in the other hand. She's a little bit hot and bothered when you look at it. And she burst into the presence of Jesus, and they had a scene. Now, look at Martha, and you see Martha in these three ways. One is, she's irritated. She's fretting. The Bible says Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Or maybe another translation that you may have says that Martha was dragged about. The problem was that Martha was not handling the work, but the work was handling Martha. The work was causing Martha to be irritated. And she was so busily engaged in working for Jesus that she found herself in the position of being distracted and dragged about. That she was in danger of offending the very one of whom she was working. Now take in mind, they had no air conditioning. Uh, They definitely didn't have any microwaves. Uh, But they had a hot fire in the kitchen. And, you know, they had no running water. You had to go outside and get the water. And so perspiration just uh, pouring from her body. And she was busy. And she was so distracted by her work that, that it became her greatest enemy. Now, sad to say, that that's the picture of some believers today. There are a multitude of believers out there who are busily engaged in working for the Lord, but they're not spending any time with the Lord. Uh, They're fretful, they're irritated, they're aggravated in the very, very work that they do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Now, they may teach that Sunday school class, or they may serve on that ministry team, and they may do this, and they may do that in the church, but listen, If the work for the Lord is causing you anxiety and distracting and keeping you from fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then dear friend, I tell you this, then there's plenty wrong with the work that you're rendering. There is no excuse for Christians to get irritated. You say, well, Brother Preacher, have you ever been irritated? Yes. That's the reason I don't have any hair, for one reason, okay, tell you. And there's no excuse for it. None at all. I shouldn't do it. None of us should do it. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ should be a joy. 
But if your work for the Lord Jesus Christ has become a frustration and you feel fretful, you feel irritated in your service to Him, then listen, there's something missing in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought not to be irritated in our serving the Lord. And we can get so irritated and our words become sharp and we place up bad inflection on something that we may say to someone or how we speak and and our irritability hinders our testimony at home and at church and sometimes that even happens out in life so here is Martha she's irritated then we see that attitude of resentment Martha was a lady that was filled with resentment now you see her steps you can see her at the door and she's just uh, looking at her sister just staring at her she saw Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and resentment began to swell in her heart she, she must have thought something like this well of all things Would you look at my sister? I mean, I have all this work to do, and there she is. uh, She's sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, not helping me at all. And then Martha asked, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, but Martha asked this, Lord, (laughs) don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Now, tell her to help me. Can you imagine? Telling the Lord Jesus this. Martha was filled with resentment toward Mary. She was implying that Mary wasn't doing her part. Now I've read this and I've studied this and I want to help us all today. I don't believe Mary was shirking responsibility. I believe that Mary was doing her part. And through the years I missed this, And I don't want you to miss this today in verse 39. Now, it's not in the New International Version. It's not in some other translations. But but if you look at verse 39 again, Martha had a sister called Mary. And in the Greek, in the New Testament language, you may have that little phrase, which also, or who also. It's found in the King James. It's found in the New King James Version. Uh, It's found in the Christian Standard Bible. In the New American Standard, it'll have the little phrase, moreover. Well, which also, who also, Luke says, sat at the feet of Jesus listening to him. Now here's the the implication of that particular phrase. Mary was at the feet of Jesus also. Now some say, And through the years I've heard this, some say it means that Martha had been at Jesus' feet. However, I believe that it means that Mary had already done her part in the kitchen. You see, Mary was not only a worshiper, she was also a worker. The problem was is that Mary hadn't done enough work to please Martha. The problem was Martha. Martha may have been one of these, kind of like the prophet Elijah, having an Elijah complex after the Mount Carmel showdown. 
where Elijah complained and just said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that cares about this ministry. I'm the only one that cares about what's, uh, what's going on. Martha thought her manner of serving and loving Jesus was the only way that you could do it, and what she was resenting about her sister was that, Martha, was that Mary didn't come in, make preparations in the kitchen with her. Martha felt her own importance and felt that what she was doing for Jesus was so important that Mary's part was not important at all. Now, listen, th there are folks that are out there, folks that are believers, sad to say, who I'm afraid have that very attitude. Through the years as a pastor, I saw it from time to time. Martha was resentful against Mary and you know, when you look at it, she was also somewhat resentful against the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to her again. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now we can think of another time that this happened. It happened another time with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ and His disciples. That the disciples and the Lord Jesus are out in a boat. There's a storm that comes up. The disciples are frantic. Where is Jesus? Well, the Creator, the Master of the universe, is back in the boat, sound asleep, taking a nap. In fact, it's the only time that you find that Jesus being asleep in the Gospels, and He's asleep in the middle of a storm. So what do the disciples do? Well, they go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, Master, don't you care that we perish? Do something. Jesus, don't you care? Now, we may not have ever put it in those exact words and, and expressed it exactly that way to, to the Lord, but I have a feeling that some of us have expressed that to Jesus at one time or another. And we can get so busy working for the Lord Jesus Christ we become irritated, we become uh, we filled with anxiety, and we say, Lord, don't you care? Uh, Lord, doesn't this ministry, does this not matter to you? And we forget 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. The promise that says, casting all your care, all your anxieties upon Him, because, listen, He cares for you. He does. So here's Martha. Irritated. She's filled with resentment. Jesus does care. And then she's dictating, okay? Now look, let's go back to it again. Martha proceeds, here we go. Martha proceeds to call Jesus Lord, Master. And then she turns around and tells Him what to do. You ever done that? You ever done that? I mean, we want to tell God, we want to tell Jesus how to solve the problem. Martha's solution to the problem was more activity. Martha wanted to solve the disturbance of the home by making Mary just as active as she was. Now, the tendency for overactive Christians, Christians whose sole response to Jesus is to do something for Him, is to increase what they're doing. Now, one of the dangers of today 
is that there's some out there that have the idea that all they have to do in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is just work, work, serve, serve, do more, do more. I mean, if you can fill up enough, go to enough Bible studies, if you can fill up enough notebooks, if you can listen to this, go to this seminar, if you can do this and that, if you can go to this meeting, serve on that committee, do enough things, then somehow we're going to win the approval of Jesus. Well, friend, I'm here to tell you today it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. So we've seen the sisters. We've seen the scene. Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what's taking place. The final thing, very quick like, is we see the solution from the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus is tender. He's kind. He speaks to Martha. Martha? Martha? I, I see and I, I feel the compassion from Jesus, and then it's followed with a, a mild rebuke. Jesus was kind. He solved the problem. Now look how he does it. If you're feeling this way today, feeling a little anxious in your service and ministry, just look to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing he does is, is that he just calms our anxiety, looking to him. He says, look, Martha, he says, you're, you're worried. You're upset about many things. The Apostle Paul tells us another place. You know the passage, you know the scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Jesus was saying, Martha, you are so easily worked up. You're so easily worried. You are anxious about many things. Now, did you know that most of the things that we worry about never come to pass? Why worry and, and get all worked up for nothing? Jesus said, Martha, you are so filled with anxiety. You are in such turbulence about so many things. And then look what Jesus did. He, he spoke the word. He, he calmed her anxiety. Are you irritated? A little fretful today about your work for the Lord and maybe the church? Well, busy believer, that's what you need. Hear the word of the Lord who will take the anxiety out of your heart. Promise of Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, what? All ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. On the night before his death, Jesus said, he tells us in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He calms our anxiety. The second thing he does is, is that he corrects our activity. Martha, you're, you're worried. You're upset about many things. Now here it comes. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is better, or Mary has made the right choice. Martha, your, your, your sister, she has discovered the secret of priority. 
Mary has discovered how to put worship and work in proper order. And so the solution for Martha's problem was not to stop her service and activity. Now that's been a heresy. I think that's been a false teaching from so-called teachers. Because their approach is just, just stop all activity as a believer. You know, you don't have to go to that Sunday school class. You don't have to be part of that Bible study group. You don't have to, you know, serve on some ministry team in the church. By all means, don't do any outreach or evangelism in trying to reach people for Christ. Their approach is just to go home, sit down, let the Lord do it all. Well, I've got news for you today, friend. You can sit at home, and you can let the Lord do it all, but if you don't get up and go to the kitchen, you're going to starve to death, okay? The solution of Martha's dilemma was not to stop her work. Jesus didn't tell her to stop doing what she was doing. So here's what he does. He just places things in the proper, prior, the proper order. Giving the priority. Jesus pointed Martha to put things in the, in the order. Mary had discovered the priority. Mary understood that work must flow out of our worship, that our work flows out of our time that we spend each and every day with Almighty God, that that our activity, our service, and ministry is only a ministry as it overflows, as it flows out of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're busy coming to church, If you're busy just uh, attending meetings, busy serving in ministry, busy doing all of the particular activities, and listen, if you're not meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day, sitting at His feet, listening to His Word, opening His Word, opening your heart to His Word, listening to Him, praying to Him, spending time with Him, then listen, dear friend, you are destined to become frustrated, irritated, and fretful as a Christian. We learn to make the right choice. The one thing necessary, this message is not to stop what you're doing for the Lord. This message is not for you to resign from that ministry team or from that committee or not to quit your Sunday school class or your Bible study group but the one thing necessary this morning dear friend is to fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day to come to him to be still and know that he is God now the thing is here did what Jesus say to Martha work well I believe it did In Luke chapter 10, there were probably four people present. There was Mary, Martha, we can assume that Lazarus was there, and there was the Lord Jesus. Now in John chapter 11, we hear Martha's faith, something about her faith, because in this we hear one of the great uh, I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus said in the face of death, as Lazarus had died, I am the resurrection and the life, that he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And I believe he's looking at Martha. Martha, do you believe this? And Martha said this. Listen to these words. Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God, 
who has come into the world. And then in John chapter 12, on the basis of parallel accounts in the Gospels, it seems that the twelve apostles were there, plus the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we count Simon the leper, and we count Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, then at least seven people were there in that particular home on that occasion. And then in John chapter 12, verse 2, we have these particular words, that they gave a dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving. No frustration. No anxiety. Why? Martha had learned the secret of serving as a result of a closer fellowship with her Lord and with her Master. Dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus personally, you don't have a personal relationship with God, the only way that you have a personal relationship with God is going to be through Jesus Christ. That is the one thing necessary. It is for you this morning to give your heart and to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. To come to Him because He knocks on the door of your heart today. And it is for you to come to admit that you're a sinner to believe that Jesus Christ, that He died for you, that you turn from your sin, that by faith and just simple trust, you invite Jesus Christ to come be your Savior and to be your Lord and to live for Him forever. To learn the one thing necessary. Believer, today, it is to come back to the point to where you will spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. Before your work, before your ministry, for whatever you do, you'll do it for Him. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. If you need to come visit with us this morning, your pastor today, a staff member about how to give your life to Christ, we'll be here to visit with you and to do so today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord God. Father, You calm our anxiety when we're anxious. And Lord, we ask Your forgiveness for this because we know that worry is sin because it pulls us in opposite directions. And we're, we, we don't act as we should and as we ought. Lord God, today we're just thankful that you calm our anxiety and Lord that you bring us peace and that there's peace when we come to the cross. And peace that Lord Jesus, that only Lord God that you can bring. Lord, that you correct our activities so you'll forgive us, Lord, when we've gone out in service and ministry and we haven't spent some time with you. Lord God, you'll forgive us when we've been fretful, irritated, maybe with others. Because maybe they haven't served like we thought they ought to be. But Lord, we answer to you. And so Lord, we look to you. We ask Lord God today that Father, it will always be. Seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. All these things be added, Lord, that you will provide. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this. Thank you for your church. I pray, Lord, that as you speak to our heart, Lord, continually. Their Father would be that renewed emphasis, Lord, of spending with you. And Lord, as we go out from these doors, that Father, it would be, Father, in ministry. To seek, Father, Lord, to be missionaries in the area where you've called us to be. To tell others of your precious name. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.